This is CliffCentral.com. Hey, Mr. Sanders, how are you, dude? Hey, Gareth. Yeah, very good. Thanks, and you? Good. I, I read out the wrong Bitcoin price this morning, so I've got to correct that first up because I, I've been shouted at by a bunch of people. <laughs> so it's currently at $11,454.20. I'll also, while we're doing this, give you the Ethereum price and a couple of others. How are things going in, in terms of all the bad news in the world economy is obviously driving up demand in crypto. Uh, Ether, Ethereum, one Ether is $213.39 for the US dollar. All right, so how's it looking, Sean? Yeah, the last week was interesting. It actually it was pretty good for the world of crypto, mm-hmm. but we've still seen this uh, divergence between Bitcoin's returns and the rest of the crypto market. And I think we've just started to see the rest of the crypto market start having this comeback um, on Bitcoin because the year to date, I mean, Bitcoin has completely outperformed the rest of the cryptocurrency market. Now, why have they separated out in this way? Because they used to almost be tethered together. You know, Bitcoin would move and then all the others would move with it. And, and you know, especially Ethereum, the, the two were kind of linked. Yes, I think this is you know, part and parcel of a maturing market. Yes. So I think that's the first thing. I mean, tokens have different use cases, right? So yeah. I think a lot of institutional investors in the US and in the UK, they've come out and you know, there's a lot of infrastructure and that's uh, derivative products and whatnot that's being built around Bitcoin in particular. Right. So naturally, a lot of these institutional players are kind of uh, <laughs> punting their own book and pushing a lot of institutional money, uh, family offices, hedge funds, you name it, into Bitcoin and rather, you know, rather than moving into the broader cryptocurrency market. But I think, you know, the likes of Ethereum futures, Ripple futures, a lot of the alternative cryptocurrency um, products in the future, they're quite likely. And I think you're going to start seeing a U-turn. I mean, this last week, you saw Bitcoin dominance. So the percentage of Bitcoin versus the whole entire crypto market hit the highest level since 2017. Uh, So I believe this trend is going to reverse uh, over the next week or two. Now, while we're on that matter, I mean, this can only do wonders to legitimate and and to make for if you know family offices and the people who are more traditional, the traditionally the investors in the conventional stock market and so on. This is obviously a, a move that should be welcomed, right? It's it's all bringing money into the crypto universe where before it was it was the kind of stuff that was looked at skeptically by those people. Yeah, no, most certainly. I think what crypto needs to do now, though, is it needs to start kind of doing what it set out to do. It, it needs to start meeting its use cases. So Bitcoin, you know, is Bitcoin a store of value or is Bitcoin a currency or is it a hybrid of the two? Uh, so Bitcoin needs to start, you know, being fundamentally adopted by more people. And, you know, this has started. I mean, I think it's it's quite staggering because a lot of people, you know, they kind of look at the price instead of, you know, the value of the underlying networks and whatnot. Right. And if you look at Bitcoin, um, you know, over the last... Uh, 18 months, you've seen 30 million digital asset wallets come online. That's over 18 months. I mean, that's incredible, incredible growth. And I don't think that should be discounted because you have got these digitally native millennials, essentially. I'm one of them uh, that have come online and we kind of used to paying $200 for a Fortnite skin or, you know, buying virtual roses or doing all these weird and wonderful things that our parents would have laughed at. Mm -hmm. And you know, the cryptocurrency is a little bit more native to us and it's a lot more native to, I think, the generations to come. And I think that's only going to increase going forward as well. Well, that's exciting. And, and people will find new ways to spend Bitcoin. I'm sure that there are, there are more and more ways that in a retail sense, Bitcoin is becoming the, 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 at least one of the go-tos for some people rather than hard cash and currency. 
Yeah, 100%. But it is it's this debate currently of whether Bitcoin is a store of value. So is it like gold? Um, and I think after the dollar in particular was decoupled from the gold standard in the 70s, you've just seen this mass amounts of money printing taking place globally, really. And you've seen essentially the world currency. I mean, Venezuela, Zimbabwe, you can carry on, yeah. Turkey, South Africa, you know, all these currencies and that's fiat currencies have been absolutely demolished, uh, relatively speaking, to the dollar. And is that trend going to change? Probably not. So that means that over the longer term, I mean, how do you save when you're in a third world country? How do you save when you're in South Africa? How do you save when you're in Turkey, Venezuela, Iran? You know, all these all these countries are facing a serious currency crisis. And at some point in time, you need to look at alternatives. And not everyone exactly can go out and buy gold. Well, let me ask you on that front, because I just got a question from someone here. Um, Marcel wants to know, do you think, and obviously this is just your opinion on this, you're not the 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 be all and the end all and and, and in terms of of our our people we can rely on for this info you're our best bet but does bitcoin mining still make the money it used to oh definitely not so unless you're in a a full spec mining pool in china or maybe in one of the the Scandinavian countries, it's going to be very difficult to make mining, uh, to make Bitcoin mining profitable. Uh, I think if you're looking at some of the other cryptocurrencies, there's potential there. But, you know, ASIC miners, which is a specific type of miner, have come onto the market and you can't compare with them. You can't compete with them anymore using graphics cards or CPUs. Oh, really? So it's that that uh, ship has sailed. Yeah, I mean, you you can try and make some money, but I've heard too many stories where people have bought graphics cards and they've bought these specialized miners and then they realize that, hey, South Africa's actually got pretty expensive electricity versus the likes of <laughs> Norway or, you know, some areas in China as well. Right. Okay. Well, that's a good question nonetheless. All right. So we're talking intrinsic value and we're talking about how it's starting to become more of a use case scenario. What about the other platforms that you guys offer? Because you've got a number of indices that we can follow. There's the... You know, there's the more kind of Ethereum-based, uh, what would you call it? That's kind of the… Uh, Smart contract, I guess, Internet, call yeah. it V3, Internet 3.0, right? That, that, so, that still seems to be one of the better case scenarios, but, but how's, how's investment in that going internationally, not just here? Well, this is the interesting thing because does an increasing token price… Mm-hmm. necessarily mean that the network's working or the network's not working. So in Ethereum, Ethereum in particular, I mean, we can look at Cardano or NEO or EOS or one of these other um, smart contract-orientated blockchains. You know, they've seen quite a significant amount of adoption. But naturally, to get more people to adopt the token and to use the tokens, you need to try and manage the prices. And by manage the prices, you naturally, if more people are coming online to the network, you need to be able to issue more tokens um, so that the prices don't increase and therefore using the network doesn't become more expensive. So what you've seen is, I think, Ethereum more than any others. I mean, Ethereum is the biggest uh, smart contract-oriented blockchain globally. Uh, You've seen a ton of companies come on board. You've seen uh, decentralized applications being rolled out. And I mean, just this last week, we at Revix, uh, we were speaking to some guys over at Polymath. Now, what Polymath is trying to do is essentially tokenize real-world assets. And I mean, this is quite a staggering statistic. Um, and let me just see if I can bring it up quickly on my screen. So the World Economic Forum uh, predicted, and this is, they predicted this about three times over the last six months, that 10% of the world's GDP will be held in tokenized assets by 2027. 10% of the world's GDP. I mean, that's 
pretty damn amazing. And I mean, even if they're entirely wrong, I mean, even 1%, that's that's still pretty incredible. And the thing is that you need to have the underlying infrastructure, uh, the blockchain networks such as Ethereum or Cardano, to be able to kind of run this tokenized world. And that's where we're seeing a huge potential for growth. Well, we're also seeing huge potential for anybody who does, as we discussed with Anthea a moment ago, want to take their money out of RANDs and into something else. Maybe you want to talk to Revix, go and make an investment with them. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, right, Sean? You can put in 500 bucks. Yeah, no, we start with 500 bucks, and it's as easy as one, two, three. There we go. Go and see what you can do with Revix, R-E-V-I-X dot com. Thank you, Sean Saunders. Thanks, Gareth. Very good. Okay, and we've been talking to them for a couple of weeks now, so you should know everything you need to know. And if you missed any of it, you can always go back and listen to one of the episodes that you missed. This is CliffCentral.com.